Good afternoon. Welcome back to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast, brought to you as always by the man behind QB Spotlight, Mr. Steve Hamner. Steve, how's it going today, my man? Eric, things are good, man. But you got you got to give yourself a little credit too, man. Yeah, you uh you you make this go too. Um, but yeah, things are well. Excited for football to finally get started. Uh, how are you doing over on the on the other side of Tampa? <laughs> you're correct. Both of us are, are taping on opposite sides of the Tampa Bay area here. And and what you're not correct is I am not the person who makes QB spotlight go. No one is giving a crap about my opinion on quarterback plays. The reason they come here for you. Uh, for your, our listeners, we know, you know, it's been a long time. It's been a while since we've you with a podcast. Obviously, the coronavirus was kind of the story of the offseason and, and the story of you know all our lives, not just football. So you know, we did anticipate being in, in that extent of a break. Sorry about that. But uh, we just felt that we'd wait till things, A, looked more secure as far as the season goes, and B, there was nothing to talk about because there's no spring football. So, you know, no point yeah. in us just rambling on and, and on and on when we actually have content. So, Steve, I know you're happy to be back as well as I am. Man, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. And just to echo off what you said, I know we talked about like, because, you know, we, before we, you know, went on hiatus, for lack of better terms, like uh, thanks to listeners, the, the podcast numbers are up and we we're getting a lot of, uh, you know, people tuning in. But it just almost, I don't know if I want to speak for you, but I think we agree, for lack of better terms, it didn't seem like right, I guess, necessarily. Maybe that's not the correct word, but there was this other stuff going on. There's so, un, so much uncertain that we didn't know if we should be breaking down stuff with everything going on, but we are definitely happy to uh, be back to football and to have quarterbacks to talk about and break down and, you know, uh, enjoy watching the, these kids go out and live out these, live out their passion, man, just, and just spin the rock, dude. I can't wait to watch some people just spin the rock today or not today, but uh, tomorrow actually on Thursday, we're recording on Wednesday right now at about one forty-five our time. So. Yes. And Steve, really quick, before we jump into quarterbacks, I want to ask you something. I mentioned this on the Conference USA podcast that I host for SB Nation Underdog Dynasty. I don't know how you feel about it, but obviously, you know, we're excited that football is back. We're thrilled. We're happy that for the time being, knock on wood, you know, the kids are safe and we're able to play football. But I don't want to say that my excitement is dulled. I think that's not the right word, but it feels a bit different. And here's my reasoning behind this. I want to know if you, uh, what if you agree with this, what your take on this is. I think that a lot of people are happy that football's back. And I think NFL excitement will be back as well. But you got to remember at the college level, at the collegiate level, it's not even necessarily that you have to be a football fan to like college football. You can put on your colleges, you know, colors or your, your the t-shirt or your school and go tailgate and, you know, like reunite with all your old college friends and things of that nature and just kind of be one big party. I mean, especially down here in the South, you know, you're a Texan, you know, right. being down here in, in, in Florida and in, in other Southern states, you know, football, as much as it is a way of life, it's, it's also in, in terms of the college, it's, you know, getting to having your, your folks together on Saturday and, you know, supporting your team. So it does seem because there's the uncertainty around whether fans are going to be allowed in the stadium and things are still shut down in certain parts of the nation and whether there'll be the opportunity to tailgate. Doesn't it feel to you like the excitement is just a little bit off, like something's missing, kind of sort of? De- definitely, and I think like because I'm the sa- I feel the same way. Like you know, growing up in, in Texas and, and you in Florida, 
when football season comes rolling around, it's just like, it's hard to explain, but like football is in the air. People are talking about it. It's, it's kind of the only thing people are focused on. And uh, there's no way for me to describe it except that football is in the air feeling. And as excited as I am, and me and you both will take any football we can get, there's definitely a, a, I don't even know if I have the word to describe, but there's like an, an absence uh, maybe is, is the best word to describe. There's like a, an absence uh, feature of what college football usually brings to us. Uh, cause, Cause you're right. You know, the, the environment helps make, helps make it. And I think in, in our professions, we don't necessarily uh, participate in the environment because you're right. covering games. Right. And I have players in the games and watch it from afar, but I still think it's something that excites us. It's, it's part of the game, you know, it, it's, it's part of the game. And, um, but with that said, we're still super excited, but we do know it's just going to be, it's just going to be different. So I think if we go into that mindset that it's just different, we're not going to, you know, expect what to usually get. But the reason we love football is for the game itself. Then, you know, I, we can still appreciate it. Uh, but you're, you're definitely, there is something just absent uh, from most normal uh, seasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, we're still excited. I just want to note that really quick because it does feel a little bit different, but hopefully, fingers crossed, everything keeps heading in the right direction and yep. fans will be able to get, that, get out there and tailgate, even though with both of our occupations, we don't get a chance to indulge in tailgate per se. We love that about college football is that fans can get out there and, and support their, their program. So without further ado, let's hop into the quarterbacks. The first one we're going to get into is someone who actually caught my radar last year. They had an upset of Western Kentucky in the opening win of the season. That's Central Arkansas's Breland Smith. And just to give a little bit of background on him, he is uh, entering his second full year as a starter. Started down the stretch in 2018. In 2019, threw for 3,700 yards, 32 touchdowns, 16 picks. So two to one TD to INT ratio. But this season, he's definitely going to have the opportunity, A, with a lot of the P5 programs not playing until the spring. And B, you know, he's gotten some national exposure. We saw the game last week against Austin P. Steve, just, you know, kind of quick thoughts, what you've seen so far and, and anything you want to add on that. Yeah, so I think it's it's interesting because he's a quarterback. You've actually probably seen play more than, than I have uh, when they played West Kentucky last year. And my real only kind of exposure was when they played Austin P this past uh, this past Saturday. But I think what he has going for him is, is, is one, the something that I don't know if we're going to get into or not on this uh, on this episode is the – eligibility uh, rule that the NCAA has passed where, you know, a, a, a student can play this whole year and and then play next year too. So he's a senior and I think theoretically or technically he could still be eligible next year too. Now uh, you can c- correct me if I'm reading that wrong, but from what I understand, I think that's the case, but even, even if that rule is not in place, I, I believe UCA has the, the most, uh, the most games scheduled for any FCS team during the fall and three, and they have nine of those games, and I believe three are against Power Five, uh, Power Five. No, I'm not sorry, not Power Five, FBS level uh, schools with a you know UAB starting this Thursday, um, and so he's got a good shot. He's got as good as any opportunity to have some exposure. And like we talked off air, he is on some you know NFL scouts radar to at least tune in. And the fact that there aren't as many other FCS teams playing. Uh, you know, he's one of the guys that should, should catch uh, some scouts attention and at least have a shot, you know, at least, uh, at least he has a shot. He's got nine games, three against the FBS opponent. So, uh, he has a decent amount of work, uh, you know, that, that teams and NFL scouts have to go off of if, you know, he performs and, and gets to that level. 
No, absolutely. I mean, and everything you said there is correct. The only reason that's something you have to look forward to, or excuse me, I shouldn't say look forward to, something that you have to pay attention with Smith in the future is because a lot of the FCS programs and leagues have chosen to postpone football till the spring. Right. It's going to be weird as to how some of those FCS players, should they play now, what their 2021 is going to look like. You know what yeah. I mean? If you're an FCS program that's choosing to play a couple games here, what that's going to look like in 2021. But everything else, I, I think you nailed on the head. Go ahead, Steve. So, so with UCA, are they still planning? And this is someone up topic. Are they still planning to play in the spring? Do you know? Um, I, it is so unclear as as what right. some of the things are, are going on right now. To my understanding, they are not planning to pay, play in the spring. That okay. they're just going to take the fall. But I could absolutely be wrong on that. Okay, I was just curious about that. Yeah. No, not a problem. So, yeah, as we transition from Smith, next quarterback is a guy who listeners of our podcast should be familiar with. That's Conference USA quarterback Tyler Johnston, the quarterback of the UAB Blazers. He's a guy who really has a lot of what I like to term boom or bust potential. He's someone who, if you actually take a look, and we're going to get into this ranking later, the pro football focus rankings of college football quarterbacks, at least projected starters for 2020, they have him at the number ter- excuse me, number 32 spot. And they make the analogy that he's like the college version of Jameis Winston, which I, I kind of got a kick out of being here in Tampa and having seen Jameis for the past five, six years. But I think it's pretty accurate. He's someone who you never know. He has the big play potential, but just as much as that, he also has the potential to turn the football over. So, Steve, uh, TJ3, what do you see? Yeah, so like you said, someone we've talked about. And so I think I think so he started uh, the last four or five games – in their 2018 season Correct. that year they Correct. won the, the conference USA and he led them to I believe a four and one one record with his only loss being at Texas A&M and he put he flashed big time potential last year I feel like fans may have been uh like he fans may have been disappointed a bit I don't know if that's necessarily his fault as he battled through several injuries and, and still you know flashed that big time potential but the turnovers were an issue as he had 15 picks um, and, and he wasn't as much of a threat running the ball as he was in 2018 uh, with only like 247 yards on the ground and, and one touchdown. Uh, and he is a good athlete. He likes to throw it deep. Um, so I think he has a good opportunity to get off to uh, a good start playing a, a UCA team that they should handle. Um, they should handle uh, in, in good fashion. But like you said last, uh, a few minutes ago, maybe we were off the podcast when you said this, you know, UCA is a team that upset Western Kentucky. So they're, they're not a, uh, they're not going to be a team they can just walk over. Um, but I think uh, TJ three has a good, a good position to, uh, get his foot in the right, on the right step here and kind of, uh, have a, a confidence builder game, if you will, and just play healthy, you know, just play healthy because, you know, they have Miami the next week. So it's nice to get this game first and then, you know, they'll be talking upset coming up next week. Really quick, Steve, just want to, before we transition to, um, Jack Abraham, not necessarily Jack Abraham in specificity, kind of the weapons around Jack Abraham. We've talked about him a ton with TJ three. Would you like to see him, given the, I don't know, you know, uncertain nature of the season and the fact that, you know, a lot of athletes have um, an extra year of eligibility mm-hmm. for you? Do you want to see him? I mean, obviously, you want to see him cut the turnovers down, but do you just want to see him be more of a game manager to, for lack of a better phrase? Or do you just want to see him? What exactly? I guess the best way to ask the question is what exactly would you be looking for him if you were Bill Clark? So I think that's a good question. I think his biggest kind of thing would be consistency. So someone I thought about 
comparing him to, even though they have different styles of play to an extent, is as a uh, Jamar Smith from Law Tech the past few years. Yeah. So his first few years starting, he would flash a great arm, good ball, good athlete, but uh, was very inconsistent with turnovers at the time. And then everything clicked last year, and you know he was arguably the best quarterback in the conference, uh, cut down on turnovers. So I think consistency consistency is what uh, Bill Clark would want to see from TJ3. And it's something when you watch his film – uh, and something I'm going to post about here, here later on our our uh, social media web on our social media is whenever his technique is is on point and his footwork is, is locked in with his upper body, deliver delivers a perfect ball. Um, and then whenever and this is uh, this is probably obvious here, but whenever his his technique kind of falters and uh, his footwork gets kind of loosey goosey and his arm drops, that's when that ball kind of flutters, it floats on him, and the arm strength doesn't look nearly as strong as what it as what it actually is. So I think consistent consistency for TJ three all across the board uh, would be huge for UAB moving forward and, and would keep those turnovers down. Absolutely. So like I said, we're going to transition into Southern Miss. And we've talked about Jack Abraham a lot on this podcast. We, he's a guy who both of us are huge fans of, someone who's shown that he can be very accurate with the football. Take a look at his numbers last season. 3,400 yards, 3,496 to be exact, 19 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, completion percentage of 67.9. A little bit of a dip compared to the 75%, excuse me, 73% of his passes he completed in 2018. But don't put or don't read too much into that because – the offense that Southern Miss ran last year with Buster Faulkner actually pushed the ball downfield more. So they were taking more chances. And, and as a result, the completion percentage still dipped a little bit, but 68% completion percentage, nothing to, to slouch at as far as a quarterback. want to ask you this. When you take a look at Jack Abraham, the fact of the matter is this. Uh, you know what he can do and you feel confident in what he can do. What you don't know about Southern Miss is who's going to be lining up next to him. Much has been made about some of the opt-outs, a lot of it on defense, and that presents its own set of issues in the sense that Southern Miss really had issues stopping people last year. So the fact that their prominent best defensive player shows to opt out is an issue. But they lost Quez Watkins of the NFL. You expect that. Tim Jones is someone who – Southern Miss fans, Golden Eagle fans have a lot of high hopes about, you know, 73 catches. Actually led the team in receptions last year, 902 yards and three touchdowns. He's kind of got that game-breaker ability that Quez Watkins had. But Jalen Adams was expected to be the number two and really have a big-time year this year. He chose to opt out. Steven Anderson, who was their third-string running back last year, kind of their short-yardage goal linebacker, but was expected to have a bigger role with the graduations of DeMichael Harris and Kevin Perkins, he opted out. Mm-hmm. You just, <laughs> I, yeah. this would be my question for you, Joe. And this is something that I think, in my opinion, can play both ways. One, if you're a talent evaluator, which in, in essence you do play to an extent, what would you be looking to see from Jack Abraham? And B, can this in some way help his stock when, you know, an NFL scout or an NFL GM may look at this and say, hey, this kid had weapons upon weapons not be there, but yet he still made the most of a situation that didn't look to be the best. Right. Yeah, so one thing I think we know about Southern Miss is, is they, they always tend to have good athletes. You know, their biggest thing is can, can they get their athletes, you know, can, can they get them in the position to, you know, to be consistent with the game. So I, I don't know if I – like I said, those opt-outs are big. And the fact that they, they have a new OC this year too. Am I, am I correct in that? Matt Kubik, you're correct. Yeah. So, so new OC, they haven't had a bunch of time together due to, you know, the situation with COVID. 
and with several players opting out. So there's a lot of things that need to mesh, you know, well for them to to have progress. But the fact that Jack Abraham is what going his third year starting, even though it's a I'm not sure the exact system. I know they'd be different, but it's not going to be, you know, a 180 different system. It's not like they're going to be under center all the time now. So uh, I, I would assume that, you know, the the language and a lot of the reads and, and uh, different coverage breakdowns are going to be similar to what he had last year. Um, please just correct me if, if I'm wrong about that. Um, and so I think, you know, Abraham's veteran presence enough, you know, you would like to see if he can make – other players around him better, like all the great quarterbacks. You know, always hear them talk about Manning, Brady, uh, etc. Like the reason they're so good because they can make every quarterback, or every, every receiver, every player around them better. So I think that is huge. Where if he can, if a few guys come out of nowhere and perform really well, a lot of that will probably be due to Jack Abraham. So it's interesting because a lot of new factors, a lot of opt outs, a lot of things have to mesh perfectly. And so even if it's like a down year, I don't think we can necessarily blame that on. Abraham but if it's a if it's a year similar to last year or even better which you know I think he has the potential to do that and I think that will say a lot about you know how he can get players around him to to rally and uh just improve and uh kind of push him to the next level absolutely and pro football focus has Jack Abraham ranked as their 46th best quarterback in college football returning this year actually i believe he's ranked third or fourth in conference usa which actually is surprising um but nevertheless i'm gonna move on from jack abraham go to a guy you want to talk about a little bit in desmond trotter south uh, alabama quarterback what a what do you have on him someone who is actually you know for usa i mean they're a program that quite frankly has struggled since making the jump to fbs i know i don't believe they've won more than six games in a year since making the jump to fbs but they have someone in trotter who seems to be an intriguing prospect yeah so trotter he was a uh trotter started the last four games for uh for south alabama last year um and in, in those four games so going to that point the only team that south alabama had beaten was an fcs team i believe um and I'll, I'll double check that at some point, but they were, they still had one win the whole season up until the last week of the season when they played Arkansas state and Desmond Trotter was in starting and, and, you know, Arkansas state's usually one of the better teams in all of the Sun Belt, you know, and you got to see them play FIU in the bowl game last year. And so he led them to a, to a, to a win. Uh, so Trotter started the last four games and he was, uh, their offense was, noticeably better than whenever Cephas Johnson was the starting quarterback uh, for the games prior, for at least most of the games prior. So Trotter's a good athlete, uh, but I think he, I think people, you know, they, they look at, you know, a 5'10", 180-pound quarterback who can move a little bit, and they just assume that he's a running quarterback. But, but Trotter can spin it too, man. I'm excited for him to, to throw, and uh, I'm excited to see how he does in the Sun Belt. So just for, for an example, Trotter started the last four games. Up until those last four games, the the highest point total that uh, that South Alabama scored was only t- was 21 points against Nebraska, and then their games two, three, four, five, six, seven, they didn't score more than 17 points uh, when when uh, Trotter was not starting, and then uh, and three points too. I'm sorry, so three points was week eight, and then the four games Trotter started, they scored 28, 27, 15, and 34. Um, so it just shows that he's able to move the offense a lot better. He, he he's more more efficient throwing the ball, and you know maybe I'm too high on him for lack of of, of play that he's had. 
but I think he's a guy who has a lot of potential and, you know, hopefully can put South Alabama to, you know, a more respectable team in the, uh, in the Sun Belt. But I still think, you know, and I still think Southern Miss takes care of South Alabama with relative, not ease, but comfort. But I think South Alabama has a chance to, to keep it closer than probably Southern Miss fans want. I will make a quick point to correct you, but it's also going to bolster some of your analysis of Desmond Trotter. Their one win last year, excuse me, they had two wins last year. One of them was over was over Jackson State, who was an FCS team. The other was the final game of the year, 34-30 win over Arkansas State. And that what was surprising because Arkansas State had such a you know high-powered offense last year. But to your point, I think that goes to show that was a game that Desmond Trotter start, started and the offense moved well. So there mm-hmm. you go. Awesome. So the next quarterback we're going to take a look at, and I want to do a little bit of a, an extended look here for um, our listeners and also for ourselves. You know, he's someone who, quite frankly, if you had asked us the last time we taped this podcast, we would have said he's someone who maybe can push for a little bit of playing time, but didn't expect him to be the guy. And that's Marshall's Grant Wells. Grant Wells is a home state kid. He's out of Charleston, West Virginia. Yeah, he's, he's been on the record saying it was his dream to be the starting quarterback of Marshall. And here he is. He has been named the starter by Doc Holliday there. We know Isaiah Green. We've talked about him ad nauseum on the podcast. Whether or not Isaiah Green gets another shot at the job, that remains to be seen. But he's not even on the two deep right now, despite rejoining the herd. So, Steve, Grant Wells, uh, from the research I kind of saw, you know, is is once he's been named the starter, I believe he was a low-level three-star prospect by 247 Sports, but someone who, like I said, um, home state guy, you know, definitely has a lot invested in the program. So I'll let you take it away from there. Yeah. Whenever I saw him in the start, I was pretty excited. Uh, just cause I remember we broke him down, not, uh, whenever he was coming out of high school and the, I guess, 2019 class. Yep. Um, yeah. and so he's a, he's a quarterback that, uh, I think he's like a six foot six, one buck, 80 buck, 90 type, uh, type size and he can move a little bit he's, he's a athletic quarterback who can move around the pocket uh and he ain't a, he's not afraid to sling it so he's kind of got that uh kind of gunslinger mentality too at least from his high school tape you know uh but he's got that gunslinger mentality that isaiah green possessed uh but you know uh we'll see how he can uh kind of progress and the steps that he's able to take but i'm excited to watch him play just because you know he did have some a decent amount of hype and whenever he was uh, signing Marshall also signed another quarterback, I believe, from the Miami Miami area. Uh, the name uh, is slipping my mind right now, but I believe he actually transferred, um, and so that should show. Uh, you know, that's another positive for Grant Wells that another quarterback came in with him. Saw Grant Wells play, I was like, "Dang, this kid's pretty good. I'm not going to beat him out." And transferred to go somewhere else. Whether that, that's why he transferred or not, I'm just uh, throwing that out there. That could be a good uh, a good positive. For Grant Wells, I'm excited to watch him play uh, Eastern Kentucky, I believe, on Saturday, and so that should be a good uh, pr- kind of prime game, uh, kind of prime up, uh, warm up type game to get his feet wet for his first start in, in college football before you know they go on to play uh, a little better talent. Uh, Eric, do you have any thoughts initially on him, or, or have you talked to anyone kind of in the, that Marshall program that you know have any insight or excited about watching him play? Yeah, I had a chance to talk to Grant Trailer, who covers the herd for the Huntington Gazette. I hope I got the publication correct. He's the beat writer there, has covered that program for many years. And one of the things that Grant said is that Wells really earned the respect of his teammates by just 
how invested he is in the program. And, and we talked about it, you know, uh, yeah, it sounds cliche, but it really was his dream to be the quarterback at Marshall to, to further that point. We talked about him being a class of 2019 guy. Wells committed in 2017. I'm looking at his commitment wow. right now. He, he committed uh, in January of 2017. So that just goes to show he was ready to shut down his recruitment from essentially the time he was a sophomore in high school. Wow. Uh, clearly, once again, home state guy, someone's really invested in the program. And I think all in all, here's the big thing. You and I have talked about this, and we won't you know, go too off the deep end as far as Marshall's offense is concerned and just our whole team. But... <laughs> If Isaiah Green is able to be more consistent down the stretch, and that doesn't mean he's throwing for 300 yards a game. It just means if you cut out the 6 of 14 for 87 yards, one touchdown, two picks, or three picks, I remember that stat line off the top of my head that they lost a game at Marsh, at, at Charlotte. You know, that's a team that wins nine or ten games last year, and maybe they win CUSA East. Uh, you know, it, you don't know what happens. I mean – Personally, I think FAU, that was their division to win last year. They were outstanding, but you don't know what happens. So if Grant Wells can take care of the football, play solid ball, and you have Brendan Knox there running back, you have some solid weapons, Talib Keaton, Brock Thompson, Willie Johnson, at receiver. You have Xavier Gaines, an athletic tight end. You can make some happen. You know Doc Holliday is going to recruit well, recruit the state of Florida really well. So yeah. that's just kind of my overall thoughts on what Grant Wells brings to the program. That's a good, just a, not to dive too deep, that's a good point that you brought up that the surrounding cast should, you know, make his uh, make that transition much easier. With you know, probably what is he the, is Knox the best running back in Conference USA? Would you say? <laughs> I, I laugh because that's a, an answer that stokes the ire of Florida Atlantic fans. Um, I think Brendan Knox is the best running back in Conference okay. USA. Will he be by the end of this year? That's up for debate, but yes. Right. Right. Okay. Well, regardless, he's got a you know a veteran. Uh, running back who you know it's always nice to have someone back there uh it feels comfortable with a with a veteran running back uh before the hike before you snap the ball so so next guy we're gonna get into is someone who i don't know if, if you would agree with this here steve as far as and, and once again with the new rule who's to say who's draft eligible and who's not but prior to the new rule you have to say that this might be one of the top draft eligible g5 quarterbacks and shane Bichelle, correct yeah, he'll definitely up for discussion, especially at the of the numbers and the year he had last year. No doubt about it. So we'll go ahead and get into to Southern Meth Southern Methodist quarterback. Say that three times fast. Shane Michelle, former University of Texas quarterback, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he was, uh, you know, probably people remember he led UT to that big time win against Notre Dame, and UT goes from being unranked to top ten, and UT was, you know, Texas is back, and then they win four games that season, but. uh we won't harp on on that season, but yeah, Shane Bouchel, um I'm not sure the all the talent they have coming back. Uh, is is the receiver James Prochet? Is he back? You know, off the top of your head, should know no, this. James, James okay. Prochet is he's gone. Okay, okay. Um, and so I, I think you know, opening up with um, with Texas State, um, that's a team they they should take care of handily. And I think with Bichelle, it's, it's just seeing where he left off, and you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll preview him more down the down the road as SMU has a chance to uh, potentially make a run the AAC, even with losing people. Um, but I think starting off against Texas State, they should handle no problem. But I am I am excited to to uh, watch Texas State and watch their new quarterback. Actually, uh, you got any thoughts on on Bouchelle? I know I was kind of I was kind of broad on that. But he's someone we you know we've touched on. I think with him, he just Get off to a good hot start and, you know, get ready for the, for the bigger games they got. 
No, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Shane Bouchelle. I'm looking at his PFF ranking right here. He's ranked 19th yep. in the projection, so up there with the top 20 quarterbacks in the nation. So, yeah, I think with Shane Bouchelle, the major thing is he really can throw the ball down the field, and that's the thing with SMU's offense. We'll see what happens now they don't have James Prochet. He's someone who was probably their top receiver for the past two or three years. But I love the fact that he's a big, strong quarterback and throw it down the field. And for me, you know, again, I leave the quarterback assessment to you. I just do the writing. However, one of the things I do like to peek at from time to time is just how well quarterbacks throw the ball down the field. I think that's what separates the game managers from the guys who can really get the job done, and, and especially at the at the NFL level. And he's obviously good at that. So I'm going to transition really quick into a couple more names. Brady White. Um, and that's actually what I think will be the matchup of the weekend in Memphis yep. versus Arkansas State. Then let you hit on Brady White really quick, and then we'll transition to Lane Hatcher versus Logan Bonner. Yep. So Brady White, like so, someone we've talked about, you know, uh, a decent amount in the podcast, <clears throat> is definitely thought of as one of the best uh, returning quarterbacks in, in all the group of five. And uh, I know we're, we're going to get into this this PFF quarterback ranking here in a little bit, but he's someone who was actually ranked – uh, behind a lot of other uh, group of five quarterbacks, which I found interesting. Um, but they're, uh, they're running back and I believe just opted out. And Correct. he's the guy with the NFL future. I, I think he's a top five yeah. running back according to some NFL scouts. Uh, but in, in my opinion, as long as they got Coxie to throw the ball to, he's going to be fine. <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. And, and Arkansas State. um, they should take care of, you know, Memphis is thought to be one of the best teams in all the group of five. And a lot of people are picking them to win the AAC. I know you have different thoughts being a UCF grad, but, uh, but they, they, they should take care of Arkansas state. Uh, but like you said, it's probably, it's a primetime game this week and it should be a good game. And uh, it's a good opportunity for Brady white to have the stage to himself for lack of better terms. And so, you know, it's a good time to show out and, you know, show, show NFL scouts that he's improved from last year. Really quick, I'm not picking UCF to win the American because I'm a UCF grad. I'm picking UCF because, I, in my opinion, they're the best team in the conference. But that aside, um, I, I know something that you want to get into, and actually I want to spend you know a minute or two on this. Lane Hatcher versus Logan Bonner. Um, I, From everything I'm understanding, Lane Hatcher will be the starting quarterback there. So much so that Lane Hatcher, I actually looked this up really quickly, is the highest-ranked group of five quarterback in terms of PFFs. Excuse me. He's not the highest. Uh, they have Dustin Crum of Kent State, who's ahead of him. I'm sorry. Uh, but he's ranked in the top 10. He's actually 10th out of PFF's uh, 132 starting quarterback, 130 starting quarterback. So want to ask you about Lane Hatcher. I had a chance to see him in person. And then Logan Bonner. Um, yeah. Just a quick thought from both of those. Yeah, so it's interesting because uh, I know we both talked to some Arkansas State guys who thought, you know, they, they, they say Logan Bonner is probably the more talented guy out of the two, which I found interesting because Hatcher had such a good year last year. And when their depth chart came out, you know, they said Logan Bonner or Lane Hatcher. Um, so I'm assuming I'm assuming both would get a shot. Um, I mean, it is against Memphis, so, you know, who, who knows? But I, 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 not, not to cut you off, Steve, but I think they got to go one way. So I, yeah. especially against Memphis, I think they got to go one way. So. I, I, yeah, yeah. Um, so at some point – you know, they're, they're both get a shot this year, and I'm definitely interested to see who comes out and takes the first snap. But I can definitely see, you know, if Arkansas State comes out and, uh, and, you know, if someone struggles for three straight series, you know, they have confidence in someone else to put in. But I think Arkansas State, from a quarterback standpoint, has a good, you know, has a good pro- is a good problem to have. They still have a, a stud receiver, Jonathan Adams, coming back too. So right. 
uh, they're, they're going to be okay in that regard. It's just, you know, who has the higher ceiling. And uh, I don't think I saw enough of Logan Bonner to, to say, you know, he is potentially better or not as good as Lane Hatch. You know, Hatch had a great, you know, uh, first year starter starting last year. Um, definitely interested in, in that. And, you know, I would love to see Arkansas state pull up the upset against Memphis, you know, just cause I kind of enjoy the Sun Belt. I, I like Arkansas state. I like both those quarterbacks. Uh, but it's definitely going to take a, a pretty flawless game uh, from the quarterback position from Arkansas, Arkansas State to keep up with Memphis's offense. This is what I'll say about Lane Hatcher really quickly. And like you, I didn't get a chance to see a ton of Logan Bonner because I don't get a chance to focus on the Sun Belt as often as honestly I'd like to, as a matter of fact. But I want to say this. One for the uninitiated, Lane Hatcher is someone who began his career at Alabama, was a quarterback under Nick Saban before transferring to Arkansas State actually was recruited by Arkansas State out of high school kind of saw that hey with you know some of the quarterbacks ahead of him wasn't really gonna get a shot at Bama this is why I don't think I have the best prism to view Lane Hatcher I had heard so much about the Arkansas State offense and you know how high scoring it was Omar Bayless the numbers they put up so on and so forth and as a byproduct of that Lane Hatcher he went 27 to 51 Mm -hmm. uh, in in the bowl game against FIU uh, 53% completion percentage, 393, four touchdowns, one interception. You look at the TD to INT ratio, it doesn't sound bad. I'm here to tell you this right now. FIU shut down that passing game in the first half to the point where, you know, Omar Bayless, yeah, he caught one touchdown. That was really spurred by penalties moving them down the field. And granted, here's why in Lane Hatcher's defense, he was going up against two NFL corners, one in Stanley Thomas Oliver the third, who was drafted by Carolina in the sixth round, the other in Isaiah Brown, who was in Buffalo Bills camp, yet he just made the decision to retire because he's going to focus on other things as far as his, his life. And, you know, kudos to him on that. But he was going against two NFL caliber cornerbacks. And, and, and quite frankly, the entire FIU secondary really has a shot of, of being NFL caliber in that respect. So I'll give him that. But I just wasn't. I don't want to come down hard on the kid, but I wasn't as impressed because I, I just felt that given, listen, Omar Bayless is an NFL receiver. And if the yeah. wide receiver uh, wide receiver draft isn't as deep as it was last year, Omar Bayless gets drafted. John Adams is probably going to be in the NFL. Agreed. Uh, I just I just was expecting more. So I'll, I'll kind of stop rambling there, but I was expecting more. If you want to jump in and add you know, a thought on that assertion. Yeah, yeah and then was it raining at all? I'm, it did. Yeah. <laughs> It, it wasn't quite the the you know monsoon I got at Middle Tennessee yeah, State, yeah. but it did it did okay. rain rain picked up toward the second half. Okay, so I can put that in as someone his, but he played a better second half if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, yes, they did make adjustments and they had a better second half. Um, yeah, so you know it's it's I think you know the second second year of the offense he sh- you know theoretically should be able to take a step uh, step forward, but like you said, going up against NFL corners, but. You know, if you want to, you know, be considered one of the top quarterbacks, even in the G5, you're going to have to have success against uh, NFL uh, caliber uh, players. Um, but nonetheless, I'm ex- I'm excited for both uh, uh, just to see who plays. Logan Bonner's a, a Texas high school kid, I believe, so he might have a little soft spot in, in my heart. But um, but regardless, you know, I think they're I think it's safe to say that they are in a good position. They probably on the best. They probably are in the best position quarterback wise in in the whole Sun Belt. Uh, without going on a on a Sun Belt uh, rant. Oh no, absolutely, absolutely agree with that. Really quick here, we got about eight minutes left. We're going to wrap this one up. I want to jump into our PFF rankings really quick. 
A um, couple of the quarterbacks that we will get to next week, Texas Southern's uh, – Texas Southern, excuse me, thinking of HBCU here. Texas State's Brady McBride as Texas State takes on UTSA. So we absolutely will get a chance to dive into him next week. But I want to get these PFF rankings in real quick, Steve. Uh, yeah. Like I said, PFF ranked all their quarterbacks, all projected starting quarterbacks. What stood out to you as far as their rankings are concerned? There were a few – it was int- – I couldn't – maybe you, have, you, you had a better grasp. I couldn't quite understand – where he got these, like how he ranked these quarterbacks, because he said it was, you know, advanced analytics and they have like a, a database of, of information that they use to, to have these quarterbacks ranked. But then some of the quarterbacks that were ranked were quarterbacks that, you know, didn't even start last year that have, uh, or some of these quarterbacks that are ranked high were quarterbacks that didn't even start that, you know, didn't have a bunch of film to have data on. So I was kind of confused how, they ranked uh, quarterbacks, and you know I hate being. I'm not going to be you know critical of whoever made it. You put a lot of time into it. No, no. I, I, did, I did find it interesting that Lane Hatcher was the number one group of five quarterback besides uh, besides Crum uh, from Kent State at nine because you know there's a potential Hatcher doesn't even start. You know, um, and then I also found it interesting. Another thing that stood out to me was the fact that Zach Thomas from App State who. Uh, has been one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the Sun Belt the past uh, two years, was at 44, uh, with several people ahead of him. And then the other thing that got me was uh, Nick Tronti from FAU, who, you know, probably played sparingly last year in some running situations, good athlete, and has a potential to be be good. But he was 66, I believe, and he was ahead of Zach Smith from Tulsa at 70 and Clayton Toon from U of H at 72. Both those guys aren't, uh, you know, Heisman candidates, for lack of better terms, but Smith's got a cannon, and, and Toon had a decent season last year, and they had so much more, uh, you know, film to go off of than someone like uh, like Nick Tronti, who who had, you know, uh, a few running plays here and there and a few packages. Um, so I was, I guess I was a little, I don't know exactly what uh, kind of metrics they used, and they, they said that it was, you know, the, the analytics, but... Uh, it just didn't make a ton of sense to me. And, you know, I would probably order it differently. Uh, but it was cool to see, you know, Ash O'Hara from Middle Tennessee, who we love and we're excited to watch play against Army. So he was up there at 23rd. Uh, Chris Reynolds from Charlotte, who we, you know, are big fans of this podcast too, was at number 30. So I think, you know, we're, we're, that was, uh, I was happy to see them get some recognition. But I guess the overall, how it was measured was a bit unclear, uh, unless you had a, a better understanding of it. Sure. So, Steve, really quick, I'm glad you mentioned that. I want to dive into that really quick. The author of the piece is Anthony Trache, who is PFF's senior college analyst. I only mention him by name because I'm hoping to have him on the podcast to talk about that exact thing you talked about. But, Steve, um, a good friend of mine who I do the Shula Bowl podcast with, want to shout him out, Shane Marinelli. He is a big recruiting guy. He actually covers FAU recruiting and South Florida recruiting in general. He and I have this debate, and we've got a couple minutes here to kind of talk about it and get your thoughts. I am someone who's like you. I give me returning production. You know, if you've, if I've at least seen you do it, I'm not going to rank you. I'm going to rank you over someone who's telling me this could potentially happen to, to give the fans, uh, our listeners, an example of that. I believe Spencer Rattler's ranked 20th over guys who, for example, Ash O'Hara, you're not going to get me. Yes. Spencer Rattler is a five-star, you know, all world recruit coming out of Arizona. I'm not going to rank him over Ash O'Hara because I haven't seen Spencer Rattler do it. Mm-hmm. So my question for you, Steve, is what do you take into account? Uh, I don't want to say when projecting, but how much would you take into account projecting what a quarterback should be 
in relation to the talent around them and their potential as opposed to having already seen done it. Cause I think that's what they're taking into account. Yeah. I definitely think uh, like you, I, I like seeing a quarterback, uh, you know, when he comes back, if I'm going to project him uh, or if I'm going to rank him high, you know, there, there probably needs to be some good reason and background why I'm okay with, with projecting if they have good players around them and, you know, they have, they're a good recruit at a high school. Like, I'm, you know, I think that is something that, you know, uh, we should be doing, but at the same time I was just, I didn't know if that's what they were doing on the article. Cause when, when I read through it, it said, you know, based off these advanced metrics and then you read the article and it didn't really cite many of those, uh, you know, it was a good, well-written article and, and a lot of good info. Um, I guess I, my, my assumption is he combined the two somehow. Um, but you know, not nonetheless, I, th- I do, I am someone who, who is okay with projecting, uh, because, you know, say like for the Joe Burrow example, if we were just to base, you know, his, his 2018 season, no one had him, you know, where he was now. And then 2019 comes around and he has the best, you know, uh, season ever arguably for, for a college quarterback. So I think there's gotta be a healthy, uh, healthy combination of projection and as well as what has he done, even if it's in, in minimal, uh, you know, snippets of things. Would you, would you somewhat agree? Or I know you kind of, uh, noted that you like to have at least some some playing time there yeah no I mean I'll just piggyback off what you said really quick because I get ready to kind of close up the podcast here is that Joe Burrow made a point that I thought was really excellent he was talking about the coronavirus having the potential to shut down college football and he said hey I feel for a lot of guys because guess what if this had happened to me last year I'd be applying for a job right now right I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. you know yeah. but we're all picking the draft so yes you can't project necessarily what someone's going to do. Um, it, it, you want to take that into account, but at the same point in time, just as far as my personal projections, I like to account more heavily on having seen someone do it as opposed to just, Hey, this guy was a great recruit and so on and so forth. I gave the Spencer Rattler versus Asher O'Hara example. You know, those of us who listen to this podcast know we're huge fans of him seeing what he can do firsthand. Mm-hmm. I, it's hard for me to say Spencer Rattler, while he was you know, an all-world phenomenal recruit coming out, it's just hard to say that he's, at this point in time, is a better quarterback. If you're going to rank them one through 130, right, right, that's hard for me to do. Now, again, like I said, I'm hoping to have uh, Anthony Trash from Pro Football Focus on to talk about those rankings. Maybe he can give not only us, but our listeners a better perspective as far as how he went about that. But with that being said, I want to go ahead and close up this podcast. Hey, everyone. We are back live and in living color. Steve's lovely wife is uh, due to give birth, but you know what? We're going to work around that, all right? Because she's a fan of the podcast too. So uh, nothing is really going to slow us down as far as getting you guys this QB Spotlight. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at QB Spotlight. You can find Steve on Twitter at Steve, S-T-E-V-N, Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. The only way this podcast can grow is if you give us feedback. So, All feedback is welcome, negative, positive, or otherwise. We take it all in stride. This podcast you can find on Apple iTunes. Thank you for listening, and happy football watching, everybody.